Welcome to the Picture Book Look Podcast. I'm Kim Chafee. And I'm Kirstie Call. Together, we'll share some of our favorite picture books and chat with their creators to explore the journey from story idea to bookshelf. We'd love you to join us as we take a picture book look. Feeling stuck in your creative journey? Needing to change your narrative? Everything you want is possible. As a therapist-trained life coach for creatives, I'm excited to help authors like you create clarity and build self-confidence so you can achieve your dreams. Kirstie can help you get the drama out of your life and into your art. Visit kirstiencall.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-I-N-E-C-A-L-L.com and register for a free consultation today. Hooray! I can't wait for us to work together to get you where you want to be. Hey, Kim. Hey, Kirstie. Do you ever carry a notebook around? Ooh, I know as a writer, I'm supposed to probably answer yes to this. <laughs> yes, you are. But I honestly, I honestly don't. I do write in a notebook every morning. You know, first thing after I make my cup of coffee, I just get my thoughts out. Oh, I love that. That's perfect. But yeah, it's really helpful for me. But I, but I don't carry one around with me. Well, I do carry a notebook around most of the time, but not that I write in it very often, like almost never. <laughs> just in case. But just in important. case the brilliant idea yes. comes. <laughs> and I have a daughter who, as soon as she could toddle around, she would carry around this tiny little notebook and a little pen. For years, Aww. she did that. She's now Aww. 14, so she would never do that now, but yeah, <laughs> it was cute. That's what happens when they get teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> so the book we're talking about today, The Notebook Keeper, I mean, the title alone totally entrances me. Yes, definitely. Same. Same for me. The Notebook Keeper, A Story of Kindness from the Border, written by Stephen Briseño and illustrated by Magdalena Mora, is such a beautiful and powerful story. We're excited to talk to Stephen, Magdalena, and their editor, Ann Kelly. Let's get started. All right, Stephen, we love you. You are one of our most avid supporters, and it's very exciting to interview a podcast listener. Yes. (laughs) And this book is so beautiful. So what inspired you to write this powerful story? I was actually on the way home from my uncle's funeral. I had gone alone, left my family in San Antonio, and he had died very um, suddenly. And so I was very contemplative on the ride home from Dallas to San Antonio. And in order to get my mind off of it, I threw out an episode of This American Life. And I picked one literally at random. I, I like was driving. I was as safely as I could. And I just wrote <laughs> the podcast. Such a good podcast. Play on just literally just like flick my finger, press play, and the very first story was about the notebook keeper. And wow. the and I was so enthralled and a part of me was angry. I'm like, I can't believe that this is what's happening to people. Um, that this is the system that they had to go through. But then on the same side of it, I was also um utterly surprised by the kindness and the humanity of the people that were helping them. Um, and so that story, I, I mean, once it was over, I immediately listened to it again. 
And um, and then I was quiet for the rest of the, the, the car ride. I thought about that story for four months. Wow. And wouldn't. Wow. And, um, and eventually I kept telling my wife about it. I'm like, this is just crazy. And then she said, you should write a picture book about it. And I was like, I should. And at that point, I was just... Like I had written a few manuscripts, queried a few agents, but I was very fresh. And um, so, yeah, so eventually I did. And I knew like, okay, I'm going to tell the story of a kid's experience of what it would be like to encounter the notebook keeper. So, yeah. Wow. Thank you. That's, that's a great story. I love that. And when you first saw this manuscript, what was it that really stuck out to you? What, what made you want to acquire it? You know, I think there are a few things. First of all, the writing is so beautiful. You know, it's lyrical and poetic. And for such a big topic, it's quite spare. Um, I found it to be quite spare. So I love that about it. Um, And it's just so emotional. You know, you really connect with Noemi and her mother and they feel like such fully realized characters. Um, So I just really connected with that family. And then finally, I couldn't believe I'd never heard of this you know like I'd never heard of this system at the border and it was based on true events so that really appealed to me too I like everyone should know about this right so it was a combination of the writing and the subject and the sort of you know the true events it was the whole package for me and I you know and it went to auction so (laughs) amazing I did not know this (laughs) that's very exciting so exciting so wow And can you give us a look into your illustrator selection process? Yeah, I was so lucky because I think I signed this manuscript up just as Equality Calls came out. Maggie's, was that your first book, Maggie? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I just was like, oh, this illustrator, I, you know, I got, I was in the back of my head anyway, like as somebody I really wanted to work with. And then when I signed up the notebook keeper, I kept seeing her images sort of pop into my head. And I feel like Maggie's characters are so unique and so such individuals. And we really wanted that for this book. And also her use of color is incredible. You know, yes. like you'll see that in the notebook keeper, those pink skies, my goodness. So oh my you know, goodness, it was a combination yes. of those things. And it just really happened very quickly. It was a no brainer for me. I was like, oh, let's try and try and see if Magdalena would be interested in this. And, and it worked out. So we were really lucky. Definitely. (laughs) It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Magdalena, what was it that made you want to say yes to working on the project? Yeah, well, first off, thank you so much, Annie. That's that's (laughs) here. Um, But I think it was, you know, it was one of these projects where I read the manuscript and kind of knew immediately. I, you know, I didn't really even have to think twice about it. Um, I think part of it, you know, I mean, the like the first, first and foremost, it was just Stephen's writing. Like Annie said, it was, um, you know, it was spare in the best way. And then it was also like, one, I I just haven't seen too many picture books um, about the border. And to be able to capture the story of the border in a way that's very honest, but also really hopeful is a really, I think, a hard balance to strike because, you know, you want to stay true to the experiences um, of the folks who are at the border um, and of asylum seekers, but also to do that in a way that leaves glimmers of hope for for young readers. Um, it just felt like such like Stephen just I really connected to the um, to the approach that Stephen took with that. And then you know personally, um, so my 
dad's side of the family is from Mexico and as and we lived in Texas growing up and so as a kid we would take the bus and we'd cr- cross the um the El Paso border checkpoint so a different one than the one that's in the story but there's also like I think with all border checkpoints there's there's kind of like a commonality there's like this bustling sense of chaos and um, there's like this sense of waiting and in-betweenness and it's like a very hard feeling to capture unless you've been there um, and so I love the idea of being able to capture this like experience and this feeling that was so central I feel like to my childhood um, and to my like family growing up but yeah I think I was just I was drawn to that to that sense of place too. Well, you did such a stunning, beautiful job. And the words and the illustrations in this book fit together perfectly. Yes. There's so much emotion. It's really, really beautiful. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Stephen, this particular book especially has so much heart in it. Can you give us a look into your writing process? Before I began writing picture books, I was writing a lot of poetry and getting it um, published online and different literary journals and stuff. And so that has always been a part of who I am as a writer and of trying to be as um, economical with my words as possible, try to capture as much as possible. So I have always read poetry. So that's kind of part of my process is I'm always reading poetry. There's a few um, online literary magazines that I use, but um, I always start the morning with a, a poem or two from one, some, one of those websites. And then I just set a timer for 30 minutes and I write. Um, with this story, I really thought about it though. Um, I researched a ton of um, I Google was my friend for a long time. I read <laughs> um, that I could, and um, this one, uh, once that it was, I thought I was ready. I just wrote it, and uh, so it, it, this one kind of came out fully formed um, after months of thinking. But normally, I spend 
a lot of time in the morning with a cup of coffee and a poem, and I just start writing and see where my where things go. Um, yeah. <laughs> that sounds glorious. A cup of coffee and my writing and a poem. And it makes sense. It makes sense, too, because the book is kind of written like a free verse poem. So beautifully lyrical. So, so beautifully. So, Anne, when the story came into you, was it in pretty good shape? Like, how much editing work did you guys do together before you called it ready to go? (laughs) You know, I can be a, a... Quite a heavy editor, but I really wasn't on this project. It was, you know, I feel like so many beautiful parts of this manuscript I didn't even touch. Like the ending never changed. I don't think the opening lines changed. We did reorder some places and play with words in some places. So we definitely went it, we dug in there, but it was not a heavy edit at all. And, you know, as always with picture books, once you get the final art, then you do a little bit more editing and tweaking mm-hmm. and sort of, um, a little bit more happened there, but you know, I would say this was not a big edit at all. I think Stephen agrees. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, Anne, do you have any tips for people who are writing picture books or submitting picture books? I think the best tip is to read, 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 and you know, in the category you want to publish in. Um, that's what I would do. And I would also look into sort of agents who, who, you know, represent the kinds of books you're doing and look at editors and their lists and sort of just get an understanding of the whole industry. But I do think reading books, the types of books you want to publish is the best, the best advice. Definitely. I agree. (laughs) That's, that's, and, and I feel like that's such an accessible tip like like that's something everyone can do you don't have to go out and buy all the books the library is available so you know utilize sure. that and library even as an card. editor I still go to bookstores and libraries and read other people's mm-hmm. books and look for illustrators there so it's a you know a continual process for me too mm-hmm. that's great yeah that's great and it's also so much fun to read other people's it books. It is. It's so fun. <laughs> I know. Especially if they're good, then you can figure out what is it that makes this so good and how can I infuse that into my writing? Yes. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. Magdalena, I mean, we've been gushing about your art and those skies and just everything that you've put in here. There's so much emotion um, to your art. Can you give us a look into what the illustration process was like for the story? Yeah, I'd say it first started with just doing a ton of research um, because, you know, I knew I obviously wanted to capture the, the the emotional side through like facial expressions and characters and colors, but I also really wanted to focus on, on getting it right, um, you know, on getting the landscape right, on getting the scenery um, and just those experiences, just trying to do my best to capture that as accurately as possible. And so... I did just tons of photo research and the the research process for this book was a little bit different than the research process for some of my other books because I had the opportunity to actually go to the border right before, um, right before I started illustrating as I was working in the sketching phase. And um, a friend of, I was in California at the time and a friend of mine was delivering PPE um, down in Tijuana. And so I tagged along and was able to capture some like first person research, which was um, mostly of just like the landscape. Um, But I think that was like pretty formative because, you know, no matter how many photos you look at, you can't really capture a sense of the place. As I started illustrating, I really like picked up on a few things 
um, few central themes that I really wanted to play up. So like this theme of hope and migration and, um, you know, it created this kind of dual narrative of like birds um, that, you know, throughout the story, you see a few birds and then um, over the course of the book, the birds kind of are more in number until the the ending spread where um, Noemi and her mom are looking up at the sky and it's just kind of full of birds. And so, you know, I felt like Stephen had just like, there were, you know, this, this really strong overarching theme of hope. Um, and so I tried to capture that symbolic, I like tried to think of what symbols could represent that in the artwork. Um, yeah, and then I think, you know, with every book, I try to pay attention to um, characters and making them as distinct as possible. But I felt like that was even more important in this book, um, just because I think, you know, whenever we read stories about um, migrants or asylum seekers, they're kind of described in mass. Um, and I think a lot of their like individuality or their personal narratives can be erased. And so um, it was really important when I was illustrating this book, just to make sure that, you know, facial features were super distinctive. Their clothing was really distinctive and like trying to pay attention to details to make every character, even if they weren't the main characters, um, feel sort of as real and as human as possible. Well, you did a phenomenal job. Wow, that's amazing. I actually love your birds so much that I'm going to get one tattooed um, later this summer. No way! So, <laughs> was my favorite. Like, I love the birds, so it's going to go right here on my forearm. So. That's a fantastic <laughs> idea. I love that. So we have one last question for each of you. And let's start with you, Anne. When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? I think two things. I think Maggie just talked about how, you know, sometimes you think about situation at the border and you, you see like a mass of people, but I think these fully rendered characters of Noemi and her mother and others, it makes you really put a face to what's happening and, and makes you empathize more. So I think that's one thing I hope kids get from it is to sort of personalize the experience a little bit. And also, you know, it, this book is about, as we've talked about, um, the power of hope and kindness in difficult and dark times. And I think that's just such an amazing thing to carry forward and to take away from the book. Definitely. I love that. I Absolutely. Yeah. Magdalena, how about you? Same question. Yeah, I think pretty similar to, well, first and foremost, like this story was, it was the first time I had heard about this particular kind of narrative of like a notebook keeper and people sort of like creating their own sort of like systems of organization and governance at the border. And so I think for me, it was just like an education um, into a new narrative. And so I, I hope that, you know, I hope that one, it just brings more awareness um, to sort of like all of the different detail or all of the different stories that are present at the border. Um, and then I also hope that like, you know, it's kind of a launching pad for people to maybe read other stories about this um, or, you know, do their own research um, or kind of dig deeper. Um, and then, yeah, like Annie said, I think just, you know, the story is about community and hope and kindness and how that can really, um, how that can make a difference. You know, it, it, like I think the, the ending of the story is left pretty open-ended, um, but I think you 
definitely get the sense that, you know, there is still like a strong sense of love and connection between Naomi and her mama and the notebook keeper. And, um, you know, I, I hope that that's, that is at least like a sentiment that everyone can, can really resonate with that the power of connection can really take you through, um, some dark times. Definitely. And what about you, Stephen? What do you hope people feel or learn when they read the notebook keeper? Well, as a Texan, um, the feelings towards the border are so polarized and charged um, that I really hope that both kids and the, the adults that are reading this story to them, that they see the, the border in, in a different light. They see it, they see the humanity of it, um, where it's not just um, this one, like a, a single face or a single story, um, but they see like the nuance that they see. Um, how heartbreaking it can be, but also how hopeful it can be um, to leave your country, to, to come to America and all that that means. Um, but I also hope that there's a sense of hope and that they can be kind, um, just like the notebook keeper, wherever they are. A big thank you to Stephen, Magdalena, and Anne for joining us today and giving us a look into the creative process for The Notebook Keeper. Check out the show notes to learn more about Stephen and Magdalena and the other fabulous books they have out in the world. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode, and we would love it if you would leave a review. Thanks for listening, and happy looking! Picture Book Look is produced by Kirsty Call and Kim Chafee. Music by James Call.